praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Oh, I got right over there for a moment. All right. You don't have to turn to your Bibles. I'm going to give you an introduction. We're going to be studying the next few months, maybe, <laughs> uh, the minor 12 prophets, uh, starting with Hosea on down to Malachi. Uh, did y'all get a handout? Okay. Those handouts, the first page you'll see there, and I don't have one with me. Hey, would you bring me one up here? Okay. Um, oh, thank you, Gail. I've got some extras out there. I'll get the one down. Okay. <clears throat> the first page you have here is a uh, chart that shows you the uh, basically the kings and the prophets. Uh, on the left column on your first page, you will see the kings of Judah. I don't know if you can read that. It's kind of dark. And then the right next column is the kings of Israel. And then in the third column, you'll see the prophets that served during their times. So this will give you an outline of, of the chronology chronology of the kings of Judah and Israel in the time that they were divided, okay? and the prophets that were uh, along with them. Okay? And then on the last column there, you'll see where it says other events. It basically has a, uh, a uh, event that happened at that time during that thing. And then on the back side of that page, it continues. So you have a second part to that on the back side. The second page you have is called background reading. If you'll go in and look in your Bible to the prophet Joel, Jonah, Amos, and so on, you'll see Second Kings, Second Chronicles, Isaiah, Jeremiah. You'll see where they're mentioned in the Bible. That lines up with their dates, their times in which they served. And then the last one, the same thing, approximately the dates. But that's the scriptures that you'll find them at. In the last page... Not the last page, the next page behind, that, on the back side of that. This is going to be kind of important because we're going to learn about the royal family ties between Judah and Israel. And that they were divided at this time. And so you had Israel and then you had Judah. They were separated. And each one had a king. And they had their own uh, uh, basic government or kingdom going on. And on that, you'll see where it says Israel, it said Ahab and Jezebel. Well, Pastor mentioned this morning in his message about Ahab, right? And his kingdom and how wicked he was. Then you have Judah and you have Jehoshaphat. Well, if you look at that little chart there, it's kind of a genealogical, you'll see that Ahab and Jezebel had a daughter, Athelia, and then Judah, Jehoshaphat, had a son by the name of Jehoran. They married. They were trying to get the two kingdoms together. And so they married their kids off to each other. And we'll, we'll discuss it later on and, and in parts of the prophets, but the daughter of uh, Jezebel and Ahab was just as wicked as her mother. And we'll, we'll see about that. And then it kind of gives you a lesson to go on down to the different parts. And then, of course, the last page is your puzzle if you want to do that while I'm speaking, that's fine. It won't bother me. I'm probably going to get boring. <laughs> no. The 12 prophets 
in, in the Jewish Bible, the Hebrew Bible, they are called the Twelve Prophecies. And the reason they're called that is because they are combined at, in Hebrew tradition and Hebrew Bible, all 12 of the last five small or minor prophets are put together as one book. And we have them as 12 separate books in our Bible. But in the Jewish Bible, they are all one book. And so they are called the 12 prophecies, because each one of them has a different prophecy. And they are called the minor prophets. Anybody know why? They weren't little people like Brenda. They, they, they weren't minors. They were, you know. <laughs> they were called the minor prophets or the minor prophecies for the purpose that they were, well, they were small. They weren't that long. Now, <clears throat> Hosea is 16 chapters, but they're not very long chapters. And the rest of them are the same way. They're not very long. They're not like Jeremiah. Takes up 40, 40, 70, or 40, 50 chapters. They're not like um, Isaiah. They're not like the, the major prophets, which are very large prophecies or very large books. Because they were so small, the Jews believed that might as well just put them all together, make them all one book. And so if you, you ever get a Jewish Bible and you open it up, you're going to see the beginning where Hosea should be. You're going to see it, the first page will say, the twelve prophecies, because it's the minor prophets. On ours, it's the minor prophets. But the minor prophets, uh, I'm going to read you some things here, uh, kind of an introduction to these. Uh, the voice of the prophets were heard in times of apostasy. If you look at your charts, you'll see that there are places that are empty that one prophet continues on for several years. And then there's a time where one prophet only goes so far. A lot of the minor prophets would intersect with major prophets. Uh, for example, uh, you would have uh, Hosea and Amos. They both were prophets at the same time. But God would appoint these men to be prophets to the kingdoms when they needed it. They didn't serve. They just didn't automatically vote in a prophet or or elect a prophet, or appoint a prophet. God did that. Man did not do that. God would send those prophets. This was the way he communicated. He would normally communicate with his kings and his priests. He would give them the, the, the things that needed to be said and done. But in times of trouble, in times of apostasy, when they, the Jews were starting to fall away from believing in God or worshiping, God would send the prophets. He would appoint them. They were his ministers, and they came from all ranks and regions. They were, they were not uh, special godly men in some cases. And as we get to look at Hosea, we're going to wonder why would he do what he did? Why would he call Hosea? And why would he tell Hosea to do what he did? But he said they come from all over. They came from everywhere. Their only alliance was to God and no one else. We'll see that as we read and go through these. But they will correspond. All the minor prophets will correspond with all the history of the Bible. Uh, Isaiah, you know, all the way back through. Ecclesiastes, First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings, Samuel. They, they will correspond with them. It, it's kind of like a, a TV show where you've got this scene going on over here and then they cut and they go to this other scene 
but at the same time, that seems still happening. It's like example of the United States. What's going on in the United States right now? With all the Democrats and the liberals and all that junk and all the way things are going, even in the religious field. But then look at Ukraine. What's going on over there at the same time? Forty years from now, when they do a history, they're going to be looking, here's the United States doing this at the same time as the Ukraine's going on. So it's kind of like that. They correspond with each other. They spoke with God's divine authority. As we read the prophets, we go through these, they were not scared of anybody. They didn't care what the king thought. They didn't care what the priest thought. They didn't care what everybody else thought. They were there to give God's word. And that's what they did. Many were political statesmen, it says, who understood the world as their, of their day. Sometimes they were foretellers, F-O-R-E, okay, inspired by God to remove the veil of the future and to go in, and, and we'll see that as they went in and they would tell the king, you've got to stop this or you've got to do this or this is going to happen. But in other times, they were uh, foretellers. They were foretellers. They were going to, they were inspired by God to denounce a prevalent sin, demand repentance, and reform and declare his purpose upon mankind. And to understand these prophets, we need to understand their life and the way they lived and where they were at and the, the countries in which they were in. Okay? And this is what we'll do as we look into these. Uh, these prophets, you have to get a sense of how Judah and Israel worked together or didn't work together. They were one people. It was almost, almost like the Civil War here in the United States. We had two sections of this country were divided because these people believed one way and those people believed another. And in this sense here, they were divided. Israel was divided because one part of that country divided. They had an evil, uh, they separated because of idolatry, because of sin. And the other didn't want to go that way, so they separated. We'll see all that when we get into it. <clears throat> With Israel was the dominant of the Middle East at one point. God uh, appointed Israel his people, his chosen people. They were his. He, he, he sat down and he said, I want, these are my people. No matter what happens, they're still my people. And as the stories we read in the Bible about their uh, leaving Egypt, and as they travel for the 40 years, how they, they turned their back on God, then they would come back to him, then they turned their back again, then they'd come back, and they did this. Israel was supposed to be that dominant Middle East. If, if they had stayed with the way God wanted them to, who do you think would be controlling the Middle East right now? Be the Jews, the Israels. Israelites would be doing it. Israel would be in charge if they had followed God's laws and God's rules and followed through the path that he had chosen for them. They would be in charge. But they didn't. If Israel had been true to their calling, he says, had they stayed, she would have been the heart of the world empire. But she didn't. She fell away. There are four things we need to understand here. First of all, uh, 
there are no more prophets. They all died off. Matter of fact, the last one was John the Baptist. He was the last prophet that ever lived. So if you see, I, I seen this the other day. There was a thing on Facebook. There's a group of men and women. I don't know where they're at. I didn't bother reading it, but there's about 15 of them. And they're having this great big convention. A prophet convention. They think they're prophets. They think God's, God's messengers. But there are no more prophets. We've got, we've got a, a ministry here local by. And the guy who runs it calls himself a prophet. We have some who call themselves apostles. There are no apostles either. But from, from the era of the prophets all the way down to John the Baptist, Elijah to John the Baptist, John was the last prophet that spoke. Okay? And four things we need to look at, the major turning points in, in Israel and Judah. Uh, under Jehoram II in the north and Uzziah in the south, changed into a sophisticated city dwellers. They went from being sheep herders and, and cattlemen and those things being city dwellers. What happens when you move to the city? You get caught up in all the junk that happened. Okay? As they advanced, one of these uh, other nations, Assyria, became aggressive against them. They wanted imperialism. They wanted one whole nation, one whole kingdom. That was a turning point for them. The desolation of the northern kingdom of Israel and the mass deportation of her people to Assyria left the little country of Judah isolated and alone. We're going to see about that when we get into these. And then Judah regretted and returned from exile. Soon the returned Jews were discouraged. You see, we have, we have a, a two nations here, one whole nation, but they're divided. And they're in these separate areas. And through this whole period, time period, some hundreds of years, they argue and they fight between themselves. Kind of like having Judah over here and Israel over here. Y'all get up and start fighting with each other. That's what they did. They fought over everything. They fought over idolatry. Uh, you know, Pastor was preaching today about, uh, uh, was it Josiah? No. Joshua. Josiah, yeah. Josiah and how he went about and he was a godly man. He believed in God at the age of eight. Then at the age of 12 and 16, he started tearing down all the bell statues and, and putting it back to God-worshipping. Okay? And they kept doing that. Then they'd fall away. Then they'd go back. Then they'd fall away. But the 12 prophets, the 12 minor prophets, they're no less important than the major prophets are. They're just as important because they have so much to give. But the way that the life was for them at that time, it, it, it was terrible. I mean, it was, things were just not right. I'm going to read you some excerpts from a book I'm, I'm getting most of this out of. And I want you to just to see what kind of stuff that they were going through. This is just an introduction to these until we get into them. But... Uh, 
the northern kingdom under Ahab got worse and worse. never got better. Even though his intentions were to make it better. It never did. Uh, they were fighting amongst them. Uh, one woman that was in uh, the mother or the grandmother of uh, one of the kingdoms, the mother of one of the kingdoms, literally had her own five grandsons murdered. Now, some people think, and I, I sure started out with this, but I got thinking, we read the minor prophets and even the major prophets just like we do numbers. How many of you read numbers? Slowly to take it in. I don't. <laughs> da 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 we got that that we got that. Oh, it, it's boring. It does. It seems boring, but there's important messages in there. And the minor prophets are like that. When I first got saved and started reading and studying the Bible, when I got to the prophets, I just kind of went. <sighs> I would read them, and I've read them several times. But I never really stopped to listen. Because what I was doing was reading the prophets. I wasn't reading the messages. Okay? <clears throat> Those prophets go along with First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Samuel. All the Old Testament books are all mingled together. They're not in our Bible in a chronological order until you get to them. Uh, Hosea, and then that's chronological, but if you read Hosea, and then you go back to Kings, Chronicles, Samuel, you'll read the same guys in there. You see, what we do is we look at our Bible and say, here's this through here, and then, oh, here's this through here, and then here's through here. We put those chronological uh, uh, books where they are. We don't realize, you know what? They go over here as well. They mingle. They, they contract with those people. Okay? But it's kind of like this. He says, at this time, this was the time where Israel and Assyria was uh, kind of fighting and going after the Assyrians wanted to take over. At this time, Isaiah told Ahaz, Isaiah the prophet, fear not, and gave his famous prophecy of the virgin birth of Christ. Version, uh, Isaiah 7, 4 through 14. But the king refused to listen to the voice of the great prophet. Instead of repenting and trusting the Lord, Ahaz repealed to Assyri appealed to Assyria for help. No more foolish or fatal policy could be imagined. He literally told Isaiah, go away. He didn't want to hear about Christ. Now, you're going to think, oh, wait a minute. Christ in the Old Testament? Yep, there it is. Okay, Isaiah speaks about it. Ahaz brought Assyrian help at an enormous cost. It had, to be, it had to acknowledge Assyrian sovereignty and pay a large cash fee for the Assyrians to do something for their foreign policy would have required them to do anyway. That is, to crush Israel and Syria. You see... Uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, Judah, wanted to go against Israel and take them out, so they hired the Assyrians to do it. But it didn't work out. Well, and then Israel in the north did the same thing. They hired assassins, an army from Assyria, to go into Judah and take them out. 
The, the fighting went on and on and on. At this time, Judah was ruled by one of its greatest and godliest kings, Hezekiah. Guided by his friend Isaiah, Hezekiah led his country back to the place where its tent and its altar had been at the beginning, back to God. Hezekiah's first governmental decree abolished all idolatry. Then he restored the temple to its pristine purity and called for a celebration of the Sabbath. He invited all the tribes, or what remained of them, not just Judah, to the celebration. Being a man of God, he turned, to the, he turned the other cheek to Israel, who had so bitterly warred against his own land. Another Hezekiah's project was to make a formal collection of the Psalms to which he added numerous hymns that he had written. It wasn't long in coming. The Assyrians laid waste at large part of Judah and captured Lachish. They sent an ambassador to Jerusalem to demand its immediate surrender. And although the ambassador's clever propaganda speech failed to accomplish its purpose, the population inside the city were wavering and arrogant Assyrian hosts outside the city were seemingly invincible. Hezekiah only had one recourse, God. God, how thankful he must have been, or how thankful he must have been for his prayers and prophecies of Isaiah. God struck the terrible foe and the power of Assyria was broken as one angel in the night killed 185,000 troops. Now this is one country going against another. This is a civil war. And this is the way they were going through it. The, uh, the, the prophets, prophets were there. Uh, they were prophesying to these men, to these kings, and telling them, this is what you've got to do. Here's another one. After Messiah, uh, let me go back up here. because News of Hezekiah's healing spread far and wide. Now there's a, there's a party in... Uh, uh, in that section, remember where the verses are. Um, yeah, after after that happened, Hezekiah got sick. That's kind of like Pastor. I, I thought about this when Pastor was talking about that gentleman this morning that they said was dead. Two days later, he woke up or he started to move. News of Hezekiah's healing spread. Hezekiah got sick. Uh, he thought he was going to die. He said when Hezekiah after Isaiah's pr uh, prayer for him, Hezekiah's healing spread far and wide. Far off Babylon, Merkardach sent ambassadors to Hezekiah to congratulate him on his recovery. Really, their purpose was to ask for a treaty against Assyria. And when Babylon had long been at war, greatly flattered, Hezekiah was sorely tempted to sign a mutual assistance pact. He did not go that far, but in order to impress his foreign visitors, he foolishly showed them all the treasures. That, that was just dumb. Okay? Well, when he did that, showed them all the treasures, we can be sure that the ambassador made note and went back and told their bosses. Okay? The prophet could see Isaiah rebuked Hezekiah for his full folly. The prophet could see that Judah's ultimate peril lay not with nearby Assyria, but with distant Babylon. Now, Hezekiah lasted 15 more years. God gave him 15 extra years. Okay? His son, Manasseh, took over when he died. 
Okay? Manasseh died. His son Amon took the throne. He did his best to restore idolatry back into the nation. You see where it's going? You see how it's going back and forth? It's just like the Jews in, in, when they were in the desert for 40 years. God would give them a miracle and they would praise him until that miracle was gone and then they would cuss him. They'd go against him again. It went on like this. It went on and on and on. And then here, like Pastor was speaking this morning, the discovery of God's word served to identify, to intensify Josiah's efforts to reform his nation. Remember, he talked about this morning in his message. Okay? He eradicated Baal worship and defiled the valley of Topheth, which was associated with Moloch worship and child sacrifice. He destroyed pagan shrines and high places, the houses of ill repute near the temple, the horses and chariots used in sun worship, the altars that Ahaz and Manasseh had installed. Now, Hezekiah did good. He was a little foolish down there, but he did good. Then his son took over Manasseh. He became a bad guy. He didn't like it. He went back to idolatry. Okay? When the cruel reign of Ashurbanipal ended, decay set in, and Assyria was no longer able to interfere in Palestine, in Babylon, and so forth. After Josiah died, Shalhom became king, and he took the name Jehoshaz. Jehoahaz. He seemed to have been the choice of the people because of his anti-Egyptian sentiments. Jehoahaz reigned a cant three months and did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, all this is going on between these two nations. And God says, you know what, I've got to have a prophet to come in. And then when they, when they got back into that point where they were doing good, there was no prophet. Isaiah was there. Isaiah was... was uh, uh, there, but he wasn't prophesying anything at the time, but he was there. Um, here's another one. He said, wasting no time, Nebuchadnezzar marched westward. Jehoiakim, who took the throne after uh, Jehovah, engaged in Jeremiah's prophecy of coming to Babylon victories, contemptuously cut up Jeremiah's prophecies and threw them into the fire. It's like, it's like we come into the church and pastor preaches and we write, he writes it all down and he hands everybody a copy of it. What do you do with it? Throw it in the fire. You didn't want to hear it. You didn't want nothing to do with it. It goes on and on and on. These men, these prophets, were bringing the word of God to these people and they weren't listening. And God says, I've got to have these people go on and on. They've got to continue. The last Old Testament prophet raised his voice, Malachi. Appalled by the formalism, secularism, hypocrisy into which the third generation of Jews had sunk, made one last appeal to God's people to repent. The dark night of the intestamental period foretold in Daniel 11 was about to descend upon the nation. God would not speak again for 400 years. Have we heard from God since? Mm -mm. We're, we're, we're kind of like these, these nations. We're like Judah and Israel. We, we, are, we are separating ourselves from the true God and worshiping whatever we want. 
Okay? But as we get into these, these prophets and say these prophets, we're going to be going back and forth. Uh, Hosea. Just for example, Hosea. God chose Hosea to be his man at that period. Yeah. I'm going to read you something in Hosea. Just the, just the first part, and then you, you think about this for a moment. The word of the Lord that came, Hosea's timeline, oh, I'm sorry, that's my footnote. <laughs> the word of the Lord came unto Hosea, the son of Bere, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jehovah, the son of Joash, king of Israel. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of wardom, and children of wardom. For the land hath committed great wardom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, a daughter of Dilahim, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel. For yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause the cease of the kingdom of the house of Israel. God chose a man to go out and take a prostitute for his wife. What kind of life would that be? Why would God do that? God has a plan. And his plan included this. Because in this, now there, there is a controversy from some um, Jewish theologians, even though this is the Jewish book and it's in the book, they claim that this can't be a real book, that this wasn't a real story, because God would never call a man to take a prostitute for a wife. Okay? But it is true. As we can see now, we've got documents, we've got those, those manuscripts that's been found that brings us to life. It's a true thing. But this is just a sample of what uh, God is going to do with these prophets. There, there's no boredom in this. When I, when I write, read through the prophets, I was da 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 okay, you know, I went on through them. Because they seem to be bored. But when you go and study them and you look at the, the conspiracies, the murder, the, the, the schemes, that right there. Can you imagine a godly man going out here and finding a wife that was a prostitute? He's a godly man in the town, in the city. And he's taking this woman as his wife? What do you think the church would say? We'd be going, do you hear what he, do you know what he did? Oh, I know her. She'd been, she'd been around all, you know. But this is what God did. God has a plan, and he's working this plan out through these prophets and the prophecies in which they bring. We look at the theme of each of these books. Hosea ran from 753 to 715 B.C. The theme of Hosea is the spiritual adultery. God loves his Israel despite what goes on, just like he does us. We may say, oh, I'm a godly man. I love, I, I'm, you know, I love going out and doing this. And this. But, you know, we have sin in our lives. We don't get away from it. 
But God loves us despite what we do and what we say. Job, from 835 to 796, it's the day of judgment. He will discuss that. Amos, 760 to 750, 10 years. God is perfectly just. He's going to talk about what God's going to do to the land of Israel. Obadiah, God will punish the unrighteous. Jonah, God loves all people. Micah, God hates sin but will rescue those who repent. Nehem, Nahum, God is good, but he will judge the wicked. Habakkuk, God is just and in control. Zechariah, Zephaniah, I'm sorry, Zephaniah, God will judge and then bless. Haggai, God must have preeminence. Zechariah, God is in control and will remember his people. The Malachi, the wicked will be punished, God's people will be blessed. Do you see a pattern there? The wicked will be destroyed. God will bless. The wicked will be handled. There's a day of judgment. There's a day of blessing. Back and forth. Back and forth. Each one of these prophets will bring a message to Israel and Judah. But they will refuse it. And then in that last Malachi, the last book, the last prophet that's on there, he will close it up. He'll say no more to them. It's like in Romans when God says that he leaves them to their reprobate minds. It's what God did with Israel. He left it to them. He said, I'm no longer, I've done it enough. I'm no longer going to talk to them. So for 400 years, he says nothing to them. Until the newest prophet, which was the newest prophet, but Christ came and he brought the word back into them. These prophets are not, you know, they are a little hard to read. But if we, and I hope you'll do this, when we, when we go into Hosea and these other prophets, have your Bible opened here because you're going to be going back and forth. This is going to be one of them flip the pages, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because you're going to see when we get into one, we're discussing the prophecy of Hosea, we're going to have to go back into First Kings. First Samuel, and read what he said. Now, he's going to tell the whole prophecy in his book, but there's going to be portions that he's not going to have there that's going to be in the Old Testament book. So we'll have to go back and forth. Okay? Any questions? Any comments? What, what are the major prophets? You know? We got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. You know that was a prophecy. How about Ezekiel, Daniel? So we have twelve minor prophets, short prophecies that were brought to the kingdoms when it was necessary. They did they didn't do anything, you know, when there wasn't anything going on. But there was always something going on, wasn't there? The kingdoms were always against each other. My Bible here has an introduction to the prophet section here. I'll find it. Here it is. The prophets were one of the three messianic or, or, or anointed 
offices or occupations in the Old Testament, along with the priests and kings. By simple definition, the prophet was God's representative to the people, whereas the priest served as man's representative before God. The legitimate priests were limited to the tribe of Levi and the family of Aaron. And Judah's kings were to be from David's line. Prophets could be from any tribe and occupation. But they served by direct call and commission from the Lord. The service was not a voluntary ministry. They were kind of like the apostles. They were personally chosen. They weren't just voted in. They were personally chosen by God to bring that particular prophecy. Okay? And he said they could have been anybody. J.L. had been back then. He could have been a prophet. He could have been going to Hezekiah or whoever and, and been telling them all the prophecies that God had for him. Anybody. didn't make any difference. It was like the apostles. Jesus went around and chose his apostles, personally, personally chose them out of all different ranks and regions in his area, okay, around Galilee. And they were devoted to God. And it's like the apostles. It was an involuntary, it was not a voluntary, it was an involuntary ministry. You didn't say, well, I think I'll go out and be a prophet. A lot of them did, but they ended up dying because they weren't real prophets. Okay. Any questions? Any comments? Yep. I can't hear you. <laughs> that range got you covered up. No. 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 If they were both, they would probably be in the major prophets because it would have been longer. And like I said, they're called the minor or the minor prophecies because they're short. Even though Hosea is 16 chapters, each chapter is very short. It's probably only about, probably the longest one has 15 verses in it. And then the rest are kind of shorter. Okay? Yeah, none of, none of them crossed over into being both major and minor. There was either the major or the minor one. Anything else? All right. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, that uh, as we go through these books, that you would open our eyes to see the things that you want us to see. Uh, Lord, we know that the Old Testament is your word to Israel, but now to us as well. It's a history but it has Christ through it all. The prophecies that have been foretold by them and that came to pass are all your sovereign control. Watch over us tonight as we go. We thank you for the rain to help the crops and the grass and things, Father. We just want to praise you and thank you and glorify you in all that we say and do. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.